Welcome to All of the Above. My name is Trevor. I am here with uh, James Thompson the third or whatever. I'm a fourth. Fourth. Yeah. It's even more impressive. James Walker Thompson the fourth, and my my kid is James Walker Thompson fifth. So he he better be smart. Heck yeah. <laughs> JW T five. Yeah. Quincy Cinco. I love it. Um, who are you, Jim? Tell us uh, about yourself. I am very happily married to the love of my life, Sarah, with no H, that I met in college. And have two babies, James Walker Thompson V and Anna Jubilee, who lives up to her middle name. James is uh, 13, middle school man, prayer requests. And Anna is nine, and she lives up to her middle name like crazy. She's a big ball of happy. I'm on staff as a pastor at Fellowship Greenville, which is probably seven miles from here as the crow flies, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, just trying to follow Jesus and trust him and be happy and love my family and all the stuff. Yeah, I love it. So you were on the podcast with us. I mean, it has been a minute. Probably five years ago. Yeah, at least. I think we talked about food, I want to say. <laughs> I think we did. Um, wow, that's that's impressive. Dude, you get you get the best topics. You get to talk about food. Like and you did, singing. And then singing. It's, well, I think those are the primary two things in the new heavens and the new earth. Dude, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yep. I think Eugene Peterson said that anytime you read the scriptures and you see a song or a meal, you need to pay attention because there's praise, something important happening. Praise Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. So Jim just wrote a book. Um, I'm happy to uh, celebrate this book and encourage you to check it out. It's called Sing Loud and Die Happy. Uh, it's an outstanding book. I haven't finished it yet. I was telling Jim I've read about half of it. I've read the, the front half and then read portions of the second half. Very, very, very good. Um, as it, it's, it's covering a lot of ground. It's doing a lot of things. Um, but it's really clear and really helpful, really mm-hmm. simple, really good. Um, so in kind of keeping with the theme of singing, what is one song right now, Christian, worship, oh, wow. hymn, otherwise, that you were just blasting? Dude, okay. There's a golden oldie. I don't know if this is a super old Baptist hymn, because I grew up Southern Baptist preacher's kid, but it's Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. Oh, yeah. Heck Dude. Yeah. But my friend and I, Johnny, he's one of the worship leaders at my church, and we have like uh, um, like made it like boom, chuck, dum, 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 like yeah. that, and like we're just singing it really fast and loud. And uh, we've been enjoying that one. Like him and I have been playing that one a lot. Okay. So that one's one of the first that comes to mind. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I think there's a Matt Papa version. Is it really? from like 2004 or something like that. I like, am that I Captain CD. Critical on um, him remakes. Okay. So even though Matt Papa, I've heard he's a swell dude, like I'm, I'm going to judge that pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any stupid choruses uh, uh, out of it. That's what drives me nuts yeah. when they add choruses to these. Yeah, to let's, these let's add a chorus and make some money off of a dead guy. Yeah, please <laughs> make it stop. That has to stop yesterday. He writes 92% of the song, and then, yeah, you make all the money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all right, so I wanted to read the opening paragraph from your book to uh, kick us off. Uh, the intro to the book says this, Singing is one of the most repeated commands in Holy Scripture, which kind of surprised me, actually, reading that fact. One of the most repeated commands in Holy Scripture. It's right up there with believe and do not fear. But commands like these can feel vaguely spiritual, spiritual intangible, or esoteric. You might not know if you're doing them right. Not so with singing. You just open your mouth and make it happen. As postmodern philosopher Buddy the Elf reminds us, it's just like talking except longer and louder and you move your voice up and down. I love that. And in the Bible, we're told to do this time and time again. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. Hmm. All right, so the question is, why? <laughs> why the book or why the singing? Or, I mean, that's the... Whichever one you want to go with first. Uh... I think we were talking about this a second ago. It's like when I, I want to be a good Bible guy. Like that's, that's my job to be a Bible guy as a pastor. 
but also like I want to be a faithful follower of Jesus and know my Bible backwards and forward. And um, <clears throat> if I'm if I'm looking at the Bible, I'm going, what are the things that are most commanded for God's covenant people? The most frequently commanded in the most context. And like believe is one of them, like mm. trust him, depend on him, rely on him, believe, have faith. Those are all the same words in Hebrew and Greek. Um, and then one of them is don't fear, which that's a negative command. But then like in the top, I think it's four, maybe, it's sing. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, because believing and fearing, you might be like, well, am I believing or did I not get enough sleep? Am I fearing or is that just uh, like what I ate for lunch or like you might not know if you're like hitting them, but you know, when you're singing. Yeah. And so you don't have to pray about whether or not you're obeying God or whether or not you're in God's will when you're singing the gospel with God's people and to have something that high up on the list as, as far as biblical commands and for there not to be books about it just felt irresponsible. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 this is what we were talking about a second ago. I just wanted to read that book. And so I was like, well, I'll write it so I can read mm. it. Because it's also really happy and fun and emotional and hilarious and beautiful and communal thing to sing together. I, I found this um, <clears throat> lady. She's a professor of, uh, where is she? She's at NYU. But a few years ago, she wrote a book called A Philosophy of Singing. I cite her at the end of the book. You'll, you'll get there. Um, <clears throat> but she says that because of what singing does neurologically, uh, because of what it does socially and communally and to our bodies, all these things, it's the, she says it's the fastest way to build social bonds. Mm. Um, and like there's only two places where you can do that. Oh, and then she says uh, the best way to do that is with the same people over and over again. Mm. So there's only two places where that's possible, and that's like the bar or church on Sundays. And like at the bar, you might not remember it. <laughs> and <laughs> right. you might not count on everybody being there at the same time. There's probably some other things that aren't going to be as helpful there. Um, and so it's like literally the regular gathering of the saints to be under the gospel, both, both in word and song, is one of the most healthy communal things you can do to feel a sense of belonging and unity and like, I'm supposed to have people in my life. Well, if you're not singing, then you're not doing it right. Like mm. it's, it's, um, it's just a beautiful command. And so I think that's one of the things behind it, aside from all of the like, you know, you hear people time and time again talk about what are the most worshipful times in your life? Well, it's when I was singing or this song that ministered yeah. to me or even, you know, my grandma passed last year. It's like when she forgot my name, she would still remember Old Rugged Cross and you better mm. believe me and dad got it out and you know made it happen. Mm. <laughs> Ethel's over there just kind of shaking her hand along, you know, like a darling YouTube video or something. Yeah. But it's like there's there's so much that singing is and does that has been left unexplained. And so I just... I just felt the need to write it so I could read it, and hopefully a couple other people will along the way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think it's outstanding. I think it's a great book. I mean, it, it really is remarkable that every people group in the history of ever, it's like if we know anything about people, we know that people sing. People are singers. It's like inescapably a part of who we are. Every I mean, culture. You go to a football game, and people are singing yeah. the alma mater, you know, whatever, go Gamecocks, singing <laughs> out. Um, and one of the things that you say early on in the book is that our singing is rooted in the reality that God is a singer. Mm. So unpack that a little bit. I mean, how can we say that God is a singer? Mm. Yeah, man. <clears throat> Great line tucked away at the end of the prophet Zephaniah where it says, uh, he will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Mm. So it actually attributes God with singing songs. And then you have a beautiful line in Psalm 32 where, uh, I think it's David right there. He says, he surrounds 
me with songs, plural, mm. songs of deliverance. <clears throat> so it's like you have this God in Scripture who's a singing God. And then if we uh, try to earn some homeschool points with tagging Aslan and Lewis <laughs> singing, <laughs> singing Lewis or singing a uh, Narnia into existence, and then the super homeschool points, of course, come with Iluvatar singing, uh, you know, um, uh, stuff into existence. In, um, is that similar? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> and so you have all these portraits, whether in scripture or or in Christian fiction, of like, how did God do it? Mm. There's order in creation. There's order in music, but there's also art. And there's like a, a, a mysterious whimsy that mm. is relational and draws us in, both in nature, both in creation and in music. It can't be just art and it can't be just science. There's structure and order, but also beauty and woo. And so <clears throat> I think those things make sense when we see or think well about God being God the singer, yeah. if you will, that it's a, a way that he kind of breadcrumb trail beckons us into the the divine life Dude. and we're supposed to be image bearers so if he's singing like we need to be doing the thing right so yeah i love it i i love this 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 kind of idea that singing and music is almost the i don't know the best representation of what creation actually is mm. because i mean n- nothing that god made is necessary right like mm. he created out of abundance and he cr- he created out of an overflow of his own goodness mm. and none of the things that he needed to create needed to be as awesome as he created them to be yeah he could have created a world without music but he gave us a world rich with music yeah. rich with potential and possibilities for music and the 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 fact that there's a finite number of notes that we can somehow yes. find infinite combinations yes. to kind of put together to sing an infinite different genres and variations on mm. the same finite number of notes and just find so much richness there and it's never ending and it's incredibly powerful and no mm. one can escape its grasp. Like to me, that's just like such a great picture of what all of creation is. It is, it is potent and beautiful mm. and unbelievably rich and good. <clears throat> and none of it had to be that way. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> like what you're riffing on right now, the psalmists know full well, I mean, they're like, yeah, trees clap their hands and stars sing and adore and crickets croon and the waters, uh, you know, they bellow out a melody. Like this, the psalmists know that. Job at the end, when God's talking to Job, is hilarious about like the singing nature of creation. So mm. those two things aren't metaphorically parallel train tracks. It's like they are intertwined as a, there is order and beauty mm. and relationship and the divine life built into both of these realities. And they just are continually welcoming us and wooing us to to trust and to follow and to, yeah there's something something really beautiful there yeah it's like a gratuitous beauty man i love yeah. it um or gratuitous beauty you get that from calvin i don't know he talks about in the institutes sorry we're derailing uh, he That's says so that uh <clears throat> salvation is a gratuitous adoption mm. but the the grat latin root is grace yeah yeah a gratuitous beauty yeah cuz for our gratuitous in english now means flagrant and usually pejorative negative right but a gratuitous beauty is like a deeply gracious beauty yeah i'm stealing that that's my next book is gonna be called a gratuitous beauty a gratuitous Are you gonna write the forward heck yeah please okay yeah i love it um dude i, I not to get on food too much but i, I think <laughs> often about this well and i mean and it's true of sex and marriage as well like god did not have to create mm. the universe to be just just as rich and powerful and beautiful as it is. I mean, mm. he could have made us reproduce like starfish, like you chop off a limb and it grows into a human. Yeah. 
But that's not how he chose to do it. He chose to give us intimacy and oneness and pleasure that comes from a man and woman devoting themselves to one another forever. Right? Yeah. And he didn't have to give us cheeseburgers and I don't, yeah, it's and, like and bacon. So he made our bodies to need food, but he didn't have to make it taste good. Yeah. In the same way, he made our bodies to need sound, but he didn't have to make this elevated, like, glorious version of sound mm. called song. Mm. So there's he's more than he's up to something more than function. Yeah. He's up to beauty and glory. Yeah. And that's why it's like, yeah, I get it. We, our bodies need food, but it doesn't have to taste good. And our existence needs our existence needs sound, but it doesn't have to sound beautiful. Mm. It doesn't have to be musical. And so there really is something there uh, besides function. Man, I love it. Something you say uh, early on in the book is that Jesus died so that sinners would be singers. And you, what, and you kind of hedged it a little bit. You were kind of like tipping the hat to it being kind of a, a preachery thing to say. But I loved it, man. Maybe it's because I'm a preacher and I love yep. that kind of thing. But I loved it. I was like, man, that's so good. So what do you mean when you say that Jesus died so that sinners would be singers? Jesus died so that sinners could be singers is a great Baptist tagline. And I'm I'm Southern Baptist preacher's kid. I was ordained Baptist. But <clears throat> I am not smart enough or weird enough to pull that out of thin air. There's this place in Hebrews 2 where the writer says, Jesus was crowned with glory and honor because he tasted death for everybody. And because he tasted death for everybody, um, one day he's going to sing with all of his brothers and sisters in the congregation. He's going to sing with them and like he's going to enjoy it. And when he says that about the crucified and risen Jesus, so because he died, he's going to sing with people. <clears throat> he he makes the ascended and risen Jesus, risen and ascended Jesus, uh, he puts the words of Psalm 22 in Jesus' mouth. And if you remember Psalm 22, the first line of Psalm 22 is what Jesus quoted on the cross. So Jesus is technically quoting Psalm 22 twice in Scripture. One, on the cross where he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? And two, because of the cross, he says, I can't wait to sing with everybody in mm. the congregation. And so... Jesus sees singing as a vehicle by which to take sinners and to bring them into his family and make them singers. Mm. Like there's, again, that's the tapping into not just to move you from one team to the next, but it's a beautiful and glorious thing to do that. So that's why I think the Baptist tagline stands, Jesus died to make sinners into singers. Dude. And I, I love it, and I hope it's not too cheesy for my book. No, man, it's fantastic. Well, and I also thought about, I mean, just as you were talking now, I think about, I mean, if God's a singer... And, you know, the son is with the father, with the spirit in eternity past. And they're singing together, mm. you know, together in this perfect bliss and harmony. And they create, create out of abundance. And then Jesus, like, invites us to know his mm. father as he knows the father. I mean, you got to think that there's this eternal song that we have been given access to mm. in Jesus. Mm. And so he takes enemies and rebels and us, you know, we're warped in on ourselves and we're, we're selfish. And we're, when we're dour and we can't taste the joys of of mm. God and his creation. And then Jesus like unfolds us and welcomes us into this life and song that he's been singing to the father since Heck yeah. forever. Yeah, man. It, it, and I, I hope if I ever write again, um, I'll have the same experience. Like it was wonderfully worshipful for me to mm. like research the stuff and study the stuff. So it, it even did that to me as mm. I was writing, which was such a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I told you a minute ago, I mean, like, your your book does, I think, what it sets out to do. I mean, every page, it just made me want to sing. I just wanted to put down the book and sing, yeah. man. And I, I wanted to sing with my church family, you know? Mm. Sunday mornings, baby. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, something else that I thought that was, that was really good, um, 
when you, in your your chapter about the Psalms, and you kind of mm. made reference to this uh, a moment ago when you were talking about your grandmother, but the Psalms as uh, singing songs of God's deliverance and how often those songs of deliverance are intended to be um, like memory songs, like re- rehearsing mm. what God has done. And you say yeah. there that uh, songs are a vessel for memory. Mm. Um, just riff on that a little bit. I mean, yeah. how, how true is that for us? And, and what does that look like for a Christian? Yeah, I, I mean, to zoom way out, like your kid doesn't learn ABCs by going A, deep breath, B, deep breath see it's like we're going to twinkle twinkle little star this thing and we're going to sing it and then you're going to learn the presidents through song and then you're going to learn all these other i mean like that's how memory works so <clears throat> i believe and you can't put it in a test tube and so i don't know there might be some people who disagree but i just believe god when he came up with the idea of song he goes i'm going to attach memory so close to this idea that people will have to use it for the sake of here I raise my Ebenezer. I'm going to recall mm. this thing. I'm going to, mm. it, I'm going to make it a part of me. And so, <clears throat> like it's remembering things on their own are really difficult. But if if it is in a song, like you're good to go. And that's that's why Grandma could still do old rugged crosser. I'll fly mm. away a little bit, you know. Mm. And she was not recalling my name. And so I think when we gather, if we've had a trashy week, or if um, you have relational friction or if like you don't have enough uh, you have too much what is it too much month for your money or, or whatever your yeah, your yeah. thing is yeah. and you show up to sing the gospel you sing about I'll never leave you and forsake you and mm. um, if death is the biggest hurdle you need to jump and Jesus has already jumped it like you sing and you make those things the bedrock foundation of what is true in your soul and in your subconscious then I really believe that throughout your week um you'll maybe even unconsciously reframe your stuff, you know, the junk. Um, And so I do think God has uniquely created our memories to work um, in juxtaposition with singing. And all of these things are amplified more. I mean, you can sing in your car, dude. It's great. I was doing my MXPX this morning on the way to the office. (laughs) Was it the the covers album? Oh, yeah. I did, though. I've got my whole little playlist. (laughs) But all these things are exponential when you sing with other people. That's the point. And so it's not just a you on your own as an individual. It's a a collective memory of this is our identity. This is who God is to us as a family, as a faith family. And so those things, I think, over time, just completely reframe um, the stuff we go through. And yeah, I think that's that's God's fault. Like he did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah right on. I think about. Um, did you ever read uh, T. David Gordon? I think is his name. Why Johnny can't preach? No, I saw it on your shelf over there. I, I, yeah, yeah. His, his his whole thing is you just you need to read more poetry and mm. um, and every you suck way more than you think you do. <laughs> but I think it's in that book he talks about he talks about the poetry of um, Christian music, and he he just has mm. this. I think it's in that book, but he talks about how he had a, he had an infant child pass away unexpectedly. Mm. And he said in that moment when he was stricken with grief, the only thing that he could do was sing abide with me. Oh, um, and it just goodness. rose to the surface in that moment. And it was almost like he went on autopilot and drew from that kind of well of his, his memory and, and his heart and soul and took a moment to rejoice in the Lord, even in his suffering. And so there's something about these songs given us, I mean, I even think about the, Jesus kind of exemplifying this, uh, the songs kind of arising naturally from within us and giving us mm. words for the moment that yeah. oftentimes we don't, 
we don't have the words ourselves. We need to borrow words from others, and the songs kind of arising from us. I, I on that note, and this is just too good not to share, but I saw this on the Twitter the other day. Uh, it's a Ukrainian pastor's wife, and she said, "When trouble comes, we cry. When it gets really bad, we pray. And when it becomes unbearable, we sing." Dang, that's good. Which is just, it does something past our logic and past our conscious rationality that is designed to give us hope and like mm. give us peace. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, not, that's all the Psalms. This is not like, if anything I'm saying is like, oh yeah, it's like, that's why Psalms exist. That's why the book exists. Um, so yeah, there's a great beauty to that. Yeah, man. Yeah, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but what do you think about the interplay of the the music and the words? Like, mm. um, does the music itself, do the, the rising and the falling of the melody, the major and the minor key, does the music mm. itself, does it teach us anything about the words? Mm. Does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, like I, on, an, on just an artistic and fun level, I love songs. This is not about churchy music, but I love songs where the lyric betrays the melody. Yeah. Either you got this happy, clappy, all major chord thing, and the lyrics are just kind of dark, heavy, weird, uh, like stroke your beard and go, what? Or <clears throat> like if it's this minor, kind of maybe heavier thing, I don't know. And the lyrics are really hopeful. So I think that's kind of fun, just on a, hey, this is the kind of music I like, kind of yeah. playful level. But again, I think what you have in, in singing is you have uh, the marriage of a double art form. So melody is the arrangement of notes for a purpose. It's going somewhere. That's melody. And it, that's a creative uh, art form. That's poetry with musicality. But lyrics are, that's poetry with ideas. And so when you have singing, you have the marriage of a double art form of melody and poetry. And when those things get together, there is uh, like extra bonus intensity and intentionality to them. So that I do think, um, <clears throat> like, I have a section of, of, about the slave spirituals. And today, when you hear some of those, there's some, those things in the minor keys, There's you feel the mm. extra intensity of the lyric. Mm. And, and because you know the context of them. Whereas there are some other <clears throat> uh, happy, clappy, snappy, uh, one, like old, older slave spirituals, that are, like, you feel the hope extra because yeah. they're a little bit more... Uh, uppity, uppity, and fast tempo and stuff, and so absolutely, <clears throat> melody and poetry play together, and I, th I think when we, when those things are aimed at Christ, when they're, when they're built on the gospel, there's um, extra exuberance, extra emotion, um, yeah. Oh, dude, there's so much exploration to do there. Yeah, that it's like uh, I, that book could be 500 pages. It's not. It's only 150. <laughs> but the book could be eternal and like there's just yeah. so much to think about there. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love it. I, I've got a buddy who's working on a documentary for uh, for for these statues that are being built for the Arkansas for the state of Arkansas. It's a statue of um, I can't remember the, the one lady she worked against segregation This and then it's Johnny Cash. And uh, <laughs> Johnny, right. And uh, one of my favorite Johnny Cash recordings is the ain't no grave oh, the body now, which is a slave spiritual ain't yeah. no grave. and uh it, that just takes on mm. extra punch when you recognize you know the origin yeah. of that particular song and for funsies i think the avert brothers recorded that with him really yeah 
Well, I got to give, you know, Avery Brothers, they're my best friends in, in theory. So. <laughs> I love it. We'll uh, get them down for a podcast. They live like 90 minutes away. Do they really? Yeah. Concord, North Carolina. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Man. They're coming next week, next week, everybody. Scott and Seth Avett. Maybe a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what about uh, something else in the Psalms? And I wanted to be sure not to breeze past this, but one of the things that you emphasize is that there's a vertical and a horizontal element to our singing, mm. which is also present not just in the Psalms, it's present in the New Testament when Paul explicitly commands us to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs mm. to one another. Mm. Right. So there's a vertical and horizontal element to our singing. Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'll start with what I, I see as a problem uh, I think in like churchy corporate worship, Sunday morning singing, um, so because of the hyper individualism in our culture, iPhone, iPod, iMac, iTouch, blah, blah, blah. Like everything's about us, my pursuit of happiness. So often what it feels like, and he can't prove this totally, is Sunday morning corporate worship church singing time is this is time for me and Jesus. And I'm going to sing really loud because I got the dim lights and whatever. And I'm going to sing really loud. And there's other people maybe near me who are also having me and Jesus time, but near the twain shall meet. Yeah. So they're me and Jesus time and my me and Jesus time aren't getting close to each other. I heard somebody say it's, it's almost like uh, cars at a red light. Everybody's kind of yeah. having their own yeah. kind of jam session. Um, we just happen to not be in cars in a red light. And room. so I see that as deeply problematic. Yeah. And personal time with the Lord... Uh, in song. That's great. How do you think David wrote some of these things? Yes, obviously. But again, scripture is a covenantal text and the Psalms are covenantal songs uh, meant to be experienced together. That's the ultimate version of them is they're meant to be experienced together. Um, <clears throat> so all that to say, when we look at speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart. So it's like in your heart, but you got to do it with and for one another. And so one of one of my riffs in the Psalms chapter is that the Hebrew word hallelujah captures this perfectly because hallel means to praise. It's imperative command. And Yah is shortened for Yahweh, praise the Lord. Um, so hallelujah, the Hebrew term is a command. Like if I say hallelujah right now, etymologically, it's like, yo, Trevor, praise the Lord. But um, the way that the word became used was as an expression of praise. Like, I praise him. He deserves to be praised. So I will say that word to go, he's worthy, he's awesome, he's great, he's wonderful. So the word itself functions in Hebrew both vertically and horizontally. Hmm. It's this super pregnant word. It's only used 20-something times in the Hebrew Bible, and all of them are in Psalms. And like 25 of them are in the last book of Psalms, which is like 107 to 150, that last big swelling push at the end, and also the last five psalms. So that when hallelujah is uttered, it is both a command to the covenant community to praise him. Man, he's awesome. He's great. He's wonderful. He's glorious. He's good. He's worthy. Do it, do it, do it. Praise him. And also, it is itself a dominant expression of that praise mm. from your own heart. And so that word is a great capsule of how singing should be. It should be to and for God mm. and to and for the covenant community. Mm. Um, and if we just make it one of those, if it's just to and for the covenant community, those can be Friday night bar songs. Mm. And if it's just to and for God, that can just be me and Jesus time. And the Bible will not have any of that. It has a more full picture. That, And I think that is is a 
there's healing there. The subtitle of the book is <clears throat> an exploration of how God's gift of song is meant to change us. And so I think there's transformation in not just doing it, but realizing it. So unexplained litur liturgy is less helpful liturgy. And so knowing that that is what's happening when we open our fat mouths and lift up praise and go, oh God, I hate what's happening right now. Why, why, why? And lament or, or praise him. Knowing that that's what's happening, I think contributes further to the healing, to the transformation, to God changing us through, through singing. Yeah. 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 I mean, as, as pastors, we have a unique vantage point of knowing mm. what's going through the hearts and minds of the people that are, that make up our church. And yeah. so when we see them singing, when we, when we see someone who's struggling mm. with a diagnosis singing, he will hold me fast. Oh, Dude, there's baby. some, there's some goodness there. There's, I mean, yeah, it just, yeah, there's, it, there's unexplainable sweetness to that for mm. sure. Mm. So your last chapter, really great. Yeah, you have some practical recommendations regarding changing your mind about singing and then changing mm. your habits of singing. We won't go through all of those because we want people to get the book and we want them to read it. Yeah. But I did want to, there, there were two there, change your mind about singing that I wanted okay. to ask you about. So one, singing as a weapon. Hey. Unpack that a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> um, this is a great story. Oh my goodness. It's my favorite, one of my favorite stories in the Hebrew Bible, Second Chronicles 20. Uh, one, two Chronicles is the last two books in the Hebrew Bible. We flip them around in Protestant Bibles, <clears throat> but it's this, it's the final song in the Hebrew Bible. And, uh, Jehoshaphat is going to war against these three ancient Near Eastern terrorist groups and they're coming up against him and, uh, he seeks his face to, to, or he sets his face to seek the Lord. <clears throat> he asks everybody to pray and, this dude, this prophet guy goes, Jehaziel goes, hey, everybody don't fear for the battle's not yours, it's God's, and he's going to give us salvation tomorrow. And it, this is all in the context of a military battle, but it's like three to one, three ancient uh, nations versus one. And Israel was a tiny little one, like their state was about, like their land was about the state of, size of the state of Rhode Island back in the day. <clears throat> so it's three to one, and they're going to get outmatched. And this prophet guy goes, God's going to bring salvation. Mm. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord, which is an echo from the first corporate worship song in the Hebrew Bible, Exodus 15, mm. to the last one, 2 Chronicles 20. Intentional echo there. <clears throat> but then it's like, well, how is God going to bring that about, that stand and see the salvation of the Lord? Literally, Jehoshaphat goes, where's the choir? Tell him to put on the choir robes and walk out in this valley, <clears throat> walk out in front of the army. And um, and let them start singing. Give thanks to the Lord because he's good and his hesed, his steadfast love endures forever. Mm. And so it's this asinine, backwards, worst military strategy ever. Um, last snapshot of like in the Hebrew Bible, one of the last, especially it's the last song. And the stronger weapon there isn't chariot or sword mm. or spear mm. or government or military power. The stronger weapon there is gratitude and trust in melody, mm. and <clears throat> to, and especially closing the Hebrew Bible with that. Mm. That is not a passive commentary because then, let me tell you, half of what I just said is the same thing in the Book of Revelation. The stronger weapon is not Rome. It's not force. It's not top-down authority. It's not politics. The stronger weapon is the singing saints, like. John's vision, Revelation 4 and 5, is this vision of a singing 
heaven around the throne, and that's to give the singing saints on earth strength. So that idea of <clears throat> song being a weapon is really beautiful and really yeah. powerful. I mean, David was a warrior, but he, he, when he was at his best, he was putting down his sword and picking up his, his pen or his quill or whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I think, I mean, again, and I, I trace on that a little bit, but like that alone deserves 100 pages yeah, to think man. well about that. Yeah. Um, but I give it a paragraph. No, I give it one paragraph. <laughs> hey, think about song as That's a great. weapon. Like, there's just so much there. Oh, dude. What, it, for more homeschool points, it reminds me of uh, Chronicles of <laughs> Narnia when the White Witch stumbles upon the yes. the group of animals that are feasting in the wilderness and they're like singing and they're eating and they're rejoicing because they're like, Aslan's our king. Yeah. And, and winter's receding. And it's just totally, you know, she's totally livid at these animals doing that. So, and it's so like good. Kind of a. Kind of a stick it to the man moment. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're, we're not gonna we're not gonna succumb to evil. We're not gonna succumb to the mm. darkness. We're not gonna be we're not gonna let our joy and our hope be smothered by you know whatever darkness is out in the world. We're gonna sing, man. We're gonna yeah. rejoice. And we're gonna feast. Peterson has some, Eugene Peterson has some beautiful stuff about that in his Revelation commentary about how the best evil can offer just is weak and puny and pedantic compared to the songs of suffering mm. and singing saints. Like mm. it's. Yeah, dude, he's got... I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's beautiful. I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, and then I wanted to ask you also about changing your habits of, of singing. The one that I... That, there's two there. Okay. The first one is singing as a family. Did I, did I do 10? I think I, I did a lot, but... Yeah. It was like nine or 10. Okay. Yeah. Again, we don't want to spoil it. We want people to read the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the two habits that I wanted to specifically talk about was one, singing as a family, and then secondly, singing even when you don't want to. Hmm. All right, so singing as a family, what is that... Why do you encourage people to sing as a family? Um, <clears throat> two vehicles for the kingdom of God here on earth are the Christian family and the local church. Church is supposed to be a big family, and family is supposed to be a little church. And um, we are all called to covenant song. And, dude, it's a big bag of awkward. My kids are 9 and 13. Um, they want to sing very awkward TikTok songs. <laughs> and <clears throat> I'm not going to lie, some of them are kind of fun. And... Dude, on one level, like, yeah, just sing them. Like, have fun with it. But just, I think there's a beauty to fighting through the awkward and putting on a great Jesus song. There's a mm. People in Songs tune. You like People in Songs? They have some great stuff. Charity Gale and Josh, yeah. what's his name? Uh, anyway, they have, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. they have a version of Psalm 23 that okay. absolutely kills. It's so good. And that's like our On the Way to Church Sunday morning song. And we put that on and, like, we sing really loud and, like, have fun with it. Yeah. So to me, there's a great beauty to that. But I also know that there are different kinds of families, which is not an excuse. It's like, hey, fight through the awkward. Yeah. See if it's fun. It doesn't have to be formal. And I just think that there is um, a health to that. And we don't do it all the time. I think there's a health to that, a sweetness to that. Yeah. And so I think if you don't try it, then that's when it's like, come on, step it up. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. it, man. I, I suck at singing. And my, my everybody in my family sucks at singing. But I married into a very musical family. Oh, yeah. You married into a great musical family. Yeah, and so every Thanksgiving, dude, the first couple of years, it totally freaked me out. Like, they would sing these Thanksgiving songs, and there would be multiple harmonies going on. And the oh. room, they would divide up the room based on, like, altos and tenors and stuff. I'm talking, like, next level. And dude, I'm coming to your th- – I'm coming. <laughs> well, no, dude, as I was reading the book, I texted my wife's family and was like, as one who sucks at singing, I'm reading this book on singing, and it made me so thankful for this family. What's the Thanksgiving hymn? Uh, Lord of all, to thee we raise this, our hymn of grateful praise. Dude, I, I honestly can't, can't remember it. I cannot remember Dude, it. Dude, you just call me, and I'm coming over just for that one. 
Well, and well, and it's not just Thanksgiving either. I mean, literally, anytime you get them together, one of them starts to sing, and it yes. sets off this domino of singers. And they all start to sing together, and yeah. But it really is a beautiful thing, yeah. and it's something that we've tried to cultivate, and you know, around mm. our dinner table. My kids always want to sing "Awesome God," the Rich Mullins. So you know? good. So we just we jam. Oh, I love out. it, man. Yeah. Um. So I love that. Love that recommendation. What was the, the other one? Family, and what was the other? The one? second one was singing when you don't want to. Mm. <clears throat> and we'll end on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I work a lot with younger millennials and Gen Z and stuff. But sometimes I think uh, the priority of one's feelings and or emotional state have taken uh, the driver's seat when it comes Mm. to um, why they do what they do. Because I feel this way or that. And I think there is just such a beauty to doing a thing that God says is good and then trusting the Lord to change your feelings, your want to do or your emotional state to change it as you do the good and right thing. Yeah. So I think so many people in the world today at large, this doesn't have to be Gen Z. I just think so many people in our Western American space go, I'm not going to do a thing unless I feel it, which that means that our, latest desire and whimsy is our functional God, yeah. which is just kind of lame. And so if singing really, this goes back to where we started, if singing really is one of the most repeated commands in the whole Bible, and you want to have a vibrant life of flourishing before God, of like trust and faith and like joy and hope and suffering, if you want to have this vibrant life before God and you refuse to do what he says, you're asking to be disgruntled mm. and kind of just be bummed. Mm. That doesn't mean singing on a Sunday is going to heal everything. But again, God ha- intends to use singing to change us and reframe how we see everything and reframe our trust in him and fuel our faith in him. And so I, I like the idea of sing when you don't feel like it. Now, there's a billion footnotes there of like, sure. I got a cough and I can't, or I, I can't, the medical, I get that. But it's still like, have you ever tried? Hmm. Have you ever gone, I'm still ticked at my kids because they wouldn't shut up on the way to church. And I'm, I, I would rather scheme in my head what I'm going to say to them after church. How about you just flush that and sing? Yeah. And like, <clears throat> or just, I'm going to get in the shower and rather than think about the thing I have to do for work, I'm just going to, I'm going to sing a little bit. You know, and so I, I do think there is a beauty in doing the thing that you know is good, right, true, and beautiful that God says to do in the face of... Now, that doesn't mean your motives don't matter. I just think that that could be a way that God could use to rearrange the furniture in your motive house yeah. a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's there's a great beauty to that as well. Yeah, it's perfect. Hey, and as a, as a specific exhortation to people who are listening to this who are part of Ridgewood... Sing, man. We got this new space. I was just showing it to mm. Jim. Jim gives a hearty approval to it's it. It's beautiful, guys. Yeah. So we need we need to fill that place. I mean, there's 29 and a half foot tall ceilings. Fill every square molecule of that space with voices when it's time mm. to sing. Let's sing out. Even if you're bad, sit at the front like I do, so that when so so you don't have to subject anyone to your singing. Let's get let's get together and sing, man. Mm. Uh, because Christ is worthy. I mean, He's worthy mm. of every song, every every heartbeat, every filled lung, every. Mm shattered vocal cord just busting it singing his praise he's worth all of it right mm. um, Jim dude thanks for your time this afternoon yeah man
Thanks for getting on. And uh, one more time, his book is called Sing Loud, Die Happy. It's got outstanding cover work. Oh, yeah, beautiful graphic. It, you should just set it on a shelf where the front is facing out because my friend Carissa did an excellent job on the cover graphic there. Yeah. So if people want to get the book, what's the best way to do it? You can DM me on the Instagrams and the Facebooks because I get a couple extra bucks if you buy it off of me. And I also like to say thank you to people in person. And since you probably won't do that, just go on Amazon. Or if you want to stick at the Jeff Bezos, which you can't, just go to uh, the publisher. It's called Whipfenstock, W-I-P-F, Whipfenstock. And you can buy it there. I actually think it might be cheaper there. But really grateful if you guys wanted to grab a copy. Um, and if you're one-tenth as encouraged in reading it as I was in writing it, then uh, you'll be in good shape. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Thank you.